Thank you, Rod. Now, before I do that, um, I want to tell you about this little short book. Now, this is very exciting. This is actually uh, a collector's item. Um, and we've, got, we've found some in the vault. And uh, what I want to do is I want to give these as our gift this Easter to anyone who's visiting and anyone who'd like one. And so Georgia and the team have got some and they're going to hand them out. So just, if you're visiting or if the person beside you is visiting, just put your hand straight up and we're going to give you one of these. It's our gift. Honestly, you, you need to get one of these. Uh, or we're not getting any takers. Come, just come up, come up so they know that you're close. I want to encourage uh, anyone who'd like to take one of these, and we've got a number of copies left. I had to scour the entire city to find these. It wasn't easy, I assure you. Uh, I don't want you to sell them on eBay, though, although you could probably get a lot of money. Um, what I want to challenge you to do is to actually read this this Easter. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, when you see Luke's gospel, Luke's account, Luke was a historian and he wanted to write these things down. Uh, there's no one at the front here, Georgia. When you get down all the way down to the front, come all the way down. Luke has written these things down because he wants us to know the story of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to read it this Easter. Uh, I've tried myself this very version, and you can read it in not much more than an hour, hour and a half. So I want to encourage you to read that uh, this Easter. Uh, and if you wanted to, if you, if you just receive one in your hand and you want to look at what we're looking at today, uh, the chapter 23, you'll find that on page 49. And in fact, all the quotes I put on the screen are going to be from this. So if you've got one of these, you'll be way ahead. Before we go any further, I'm going to ask God uh, to be with us as we look at his word this morning. Dear God, we thank you for your servant, Luke, who recorded these things for us. And as we think about Jesus' death again this morning, we pray that you will speak to us afresh from your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title for the talk this morning is pretty simple, Who is Jesus? Now, there's no doubt about Jesus' existence as a person, Jesus of Nazareth, the things that he did, the fact that he was executed on a Roman cross and so on. Although sometimes I do meet people, believe it or not, I do meet people who think that Jesus is made up, that he's a fictitious character. Uh, people have actually said that to me. Um, that's really awkward. Uh, that's a little bit like saying that the earth is flat or there was no Holocaust, or perhaps that uh, the invasion of Ukraine is a noble military action. Um, it's just hard to know how to respond when people say stuff like that to us, isn't it? But there is no doubt uh, that Jesus of Nazareth was a man of history, and his, his deeds uh, were recorded by Christian and also Jewish and also Roman historians. And uh, Luke is a great uh, historian to read who's captured that so uh, succinctly for us. But the question remains, even if Jesus was a historical figure, even if he really worked, walked the earth and people witnessed the things that he did and wrote them down for us, who was he really? Who was he really? So it's intriguing when you stop and think about it, because here we are this morning, all of us together, uh, my watch tells me it's Friday. That's odd, isn't it? We're not at work. It's a public holiday. In fact, much of the world is on a public holiday today. Uh, and we are awash with chocolate. Now, there's an interesting question right there. Chocolate eggs delivered by a rabbit. I don't know. But the question I want to focus on today 
is who is Jesus? And I think it is a live question. You see, uh, it's funny when you think actually whilst that's a live question for us today, it was also the live question, the question of the moment 2,000 years ago. And we're going to look at that today. And whilst there's many answers to that question of who is Jesus today, and I talk to people, I hear all kinds of different answers. There were all kinds of different answers to that question then as well. And we're going to look at those today. So first first, uh, answer to the question uh, was the answer that the leaders and the priests had. I think these are going to come up behind us. Caleb's all over it. To the leaders and the priests, their answer to the question of who is Jesus was that he was a threat and an imposter. At the end of chapter 22, as Dave just read for us, chapter 22 of Luke's account, Jesus claimed to be the Christ. Now, Christ uh, is an interesting word. It's a Greek word. The Hebrew equivalent is the word Messiah. So Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. That is the one that all of the Old Testament that Moses and all of the Old Testament prophets looked forward to. That's a big claim. So this claim that he was actually the promised one, the son of God, uh, was really a claim that upset the leaders and the teachers. They knew that he was just an ignoramus from nowheresville. How could he possibly claim to be the Messiah? And so they believed he was an imposter. But more importantly than being an imposter, and the reason really that they wanted him killed, was that he was a threat. You see, Jesus had been revealing the hypocrisy and the abuse of power of the religious leaders. He'd been uncovering and exposing their dodgy teaching. And he was turning people against the leaders. He was making them look like idiots. No one likes that. So Jesus was a threat to their power structure and they wanted him silenced. And they'd already paid one of his disciples, Judas, to betray him. You really do need to read the whole thing. It's a cracker of a story. Can I commend it to you? Uh, I'm, I'm picking the eyes out of it, but there's a lot of great stuff there. So they've, they've, they've got Judas to betray him and now they're trumping up dodgy charges and they've taken him before the Roman governor who's in charge. And they say to Pilate, we found this man perverting our nation. And later they say, he is stirring up the people, teaching throughout the whole of Judea, starting in Galilee and ending up here. Well, Pilate hears this, and to be honest, he could care less about any of it. He just thinks it's all Jewish mumbo-jumbo. What does he care But they're very careful to add, Jesus also encourages people not to pay taxes to Caesar. That's a lie, but they throw it in and they also say he claims to be king. Hmm, king, taxes, all of that gets real traction with Pilate. As the governor, he is Caesar's representative and money and politics then as now, are powerful motivators. Well, the second answer to who is Jesus is Pilate's answer. Jesus thinks he is a puzzle. See, he clearly is not a king. That much is obvious. He's just got to look at the guy. 
And he's not an insurrectionist. He's not trying to raise an army and challenge the governor's authority. And he certainly hasn't committed any crime. So Pilate says, I can find no fault in this man. And later he says, I find no basis for any of your accusations against him. It is obvious he has done nothing deserving death. You see, to Pilate, Jesus is a puzzle. He's done nothing wrong. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. But everyone wants him dead. He thinks it's all a bit intense. But Pilate, in the end, is weak. He gives in to the mob. And the final twist, if we read the story, and I commend it, is that he places a sign above Jesus' head on that cross which says, this is the king of the Jews. Well, what a kicker. That's Pilate saying, these pathetic people, these Jews, and look at their pathetic king. And yet, not a truer word has ever been written. Well, the third answer was Herod's answer to who is Jesus. And to Herod... Jesus is nothing but an amusement. You see, Herod is is the puppet king. He's He's not a real king. He doesn't have any actual power. He's just been put in place by the Romans. It's the Roman governor, Pilate, that has the real power. Well, Luke tells us that Herod has been excited to see this Jesus for himself. He's heard the stories of the miraculous things that Jesus has done, and he hopes that he'll perform for him, do some tricks, do a miracle. But Jesus is just a disappointment. He's no fun at all. He doesn't play. He doesn't even answer. He just remains silent. And Herod, Luke tells us, held Jesus in contempt. So he and his soldiers make their own fun with Jesus. They dress him up and they mock him and they send him back to Pilate. To Herod and the soldiers, Jesus is nothing more than a joke. Well, the next group are the crowds. Who is Jesus to the crowds? Well, to the crowds, Jesus is a massive disappointment. You see, he promised so much. He was a powerful prophet and a great teacher. He taught with authority. He performed miracles. He even raised the dead to life again. Surely, thought the crowd, here is the Christ. Here is the Messiah. But see, when they think Christ... When they think Messiah, they think a military and political hero who's going to be a great leader and who's going to win a great victory over these Romans who are occupying our nation. A week earlier, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, they cheered him. He was a rock star, an absolute celebrity. They were so excited. The king has come, they said, but now... Look at him. He's a pathetic disappointment. And they're so disappointed, they are easily manipulated by the leaders who are calling for his execution. And the crowds say, he rescued others, let him rescue himself if he really is God's Christ, the chosen one. Even one of the Jewish criminals who's executed with Jesus shares their disappointment. He says a similar thing to Jesus. He says, aren't you supposed to be the Christ? Rescue yourself and us. See, to the people, Jesus is a massive letdown. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus is silent. 
well, almost silent. We read the very end of chapter 22 where he does say a few things to make it very, very clear what his answer to the question of who is Jesus is. Jesus' answer to that question is he claims to be the king. And not just any king, not an earthly king, but a ruler of heaven and earth who sits at the right hand of God, the creator, for eternity. He claims to be the king that all of history has been waiting for, the Christ. See, at the end of chapter 22, they inquired, if you are the Christ, tell us so. But he replied, if I were to tell you, you would not believe. And if I were to ask you a question, you would not answer. But from this time on, the Son of Man will be seated at God's right hand of power. Well, of course, those who heard him say that knew he was referring to the glorious figure of Daniel chapter 7 from the Old Testament, a figure who would approach the very throne of God and be given all authority over creation. I'll read from you quickly from Daniel chapter 7. It says this, There before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Wow. So at his trial... Jesus states very clearly who he is and he makes an enormous claim. He claims to be the long-awaited king of Israel, the true son of God, who is perfectly obedient to his father, even to death. And as a result, he will be granted all authority in the universe because he alone is without sin and he alone is worthy to wield such power. But it sure didn't look like it, did it? Well, the last uh, answer I wanted to look at, the last answer to that question of who is Jesus, I wanted to focus on this morning, was from one man uh, who thought that Jesus was a rescuer. And the one person in chapter 23 who actually saw who Jesus was is the other criminal. And his response to Jesus is unlike every other response we see in this story. And he recognises two things about Jesus. The first thing he recognises is that Jesus is, in fact, the king. He simply says this, Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. Isn't that, isn't that extraordinary? Jesus is hanging there on a criminal's cross near death, Yet this man recognises what no one else sees, that he is about to come into his kingdom. And it's a kingdom which must be bigger even than death, a kingdom bigger than this world. So the Jewish leaders, Pilate, Herod, the people, they all get it wrong. But this one dying man gets it right. Perhaps his clock was running. Perhaps that gave him special focus, but he recognised who Jesus was. And the second thing he recognises about Jesus, just as important, is he recognises uh, that while Jesus is king, he himself is lost. 
and that Jesus can rescue him. So he says this to the other criminal. He says, have you no fear of God? After all, you are under the same death sentence, a.k.a. you're about to face God. We are here justly. We are receiving what we deserve for our actions, but he has done nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus, Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. Just a few short words. Jesus, you are king. Jesus, you can rescue me. And Jesus replied to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. See, Jesus says that that very day that man would be rescued and they would be celebrating together in heaven. You know, as I talk to people, and I do talk to lots of people in the course of my job, as Rod said, I'm a chaplain uh, to the New South Wales Police Force. I'm also a reserve chaplain in the Royal Australian Navy, so I kind of don't live in a bubble, uh, and I do talk to a lot of people, real people. And the biggest misunderstanding that I hear from them about Christianity is that they think that at the end of the day, God will accept them if they are good enough. God will accept them if they try hard enough. Maybe if they've done more good than bad. I hear that. Maybe like some kind of cosmic exam where 50% might be a pass. The biggest misunderstanding people have is that somehow they think what we do will somehow make us right with God. And the funny thing is, that's exactly what the Pharisees thought. That's what they were teaching. They were teaching that it was all about keeping God's law. It was all about being good enough. But Jesus contradicted them. He said, it's not about that. It's not about broken laws. It's about broken relationship with God. And Jesus says, we can't fix it. Our only hope is recognising that he can fix it. Only King Jesus can fix our relationship with God and only he can rescue us. The very thing that this one man, this criminal, proves for us once and for all. You see, he's the one man we know for sure in the Bible that's going to be in heaven because Jesus says it. Today, you will be with me. Today. Now, he's a criminal. He admits that. He admits from his own lips that his penalty is just. You see, if our eternal future depends on what we do, then he's cactus. He's lost. But it isn't dependent on what we do. It depends on what Jesus did. See, Jesus lived a perfect life, but he was put to death. That was unjust. That was the greatest injustice of all time. But God in his mercy has deemed that Jesus' death will pay the penalty for this criminal's sins. Jesus' unrighteous death pays for his unrighteous life. And he, the criminal, takes on Jesus' righteousness and lives forever.
A great exchange was taking place in that moment, a swap, just like Eleanor told us before, just like Katie shared about, that great swap. So what wonderful words, today you will be with me in paradise. See, I love this guy. This guy proves, in fact, the whole Good Friday account proves, but this guy proves it's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus has done for us. So I started out with this simple question, but a good question, who is Jesus? And I want to end with that question, but I want to sharpen it up and say, who is Jesus to you? We've seen many answers from 2,000 years ago. You'll hear many answers when you talk to people today. But who is Jesus to you? It's a critical question. Is he your king? Will you receive his rescue? Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we come to you in prayer this Good Friday, this best Friday not to remember a dead prophet or to honour a religious martyr, but to worship Jesus, your Messiah, our living Lord. And we give you thanks and we rejoice in his death that brings life to all. Because his death, almost 2,000 years ago, enables us to be forgiven. Father, we thank you and praise you for Jesus today and please help us, each one of us here, wherever we are, whatever's going on in our lives, to put our trust in Jesus, that he might be our king and our rescuer. Amen.